Hey, this is Lori from Hike, where we explore, wander, and live. Today's guest is Matt Nelson, Executive Director of the Arizona Trail Association. Matt has a passion for the mountains, being outdoors, and providing opportunities for the next generation to become adventurers and stewards of this land. The Arizona Trail stretches 800 very diverse miles across Arizona from Mexico to Utah. It links deserts, mountains, canyons, forests, communities, and people. Take a listen to my conversation with Matt, and whether you plan on spending one mile or 800 on this trail, you'll appreciate all of the hard work his organization does to sustain the AZT. Hi, so I am here with Matt Nelson. He is the executive director of the Arizona Trail Association. Thanks for coming on the show, Matt. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I had a chance to look at your bio and learn a little bit about you. So I would love to find out more about yourself, tell our listeners about your history with hiking, because you do have a really deep history of working in the mountains. So I saw you've done climbing, guiding, archaeology studies, and um, some environmental activism. So definitely a lot. in. Your- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel I feel very fortunate to have spent a life outdoors, and I think I owe a lot of that to the environment and you know, where I grew up. I grew up in a really small town called Big Pine, California, uh, which is on the east side of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And the backyard was essentially 14,000-foot peaks. And uh, in a really small town with not much to do, uh, if you weren't into the outdoors, well, I don't know what my, my friends did, but I spent most of my time hiking, uh, riding a bicycle, uh, fishing, exploring. And I think uh, being able to spend time outdoors in a beautiful landscape really impressed upon me at a really early age the importance of time spent outdoors. I think I've learned more from Mother Nature than any other teacher I've ever had in my lifetime. And that really kind of helped direct my career path, uh, unbeknownst to me, which is probably you know the best way. Um, but one of the, the turning points for me is when I moved from that small town to Tucson, Arizona. I was a bicycle racer at the time and, and moved to the desert to kind of pursue a, a bike racing career, which didn't last long. But anyway, it got me out here and exploring on a bicycle. But uh, in being in a city of almost a million people, uh, what I didn't know before moving here was that there are a lot of youth that grow up without access to the outdoors, without spending time outdoors, even if it's within sight. Like Tucson is a great example. From anywhere in the city, you can look out and see four different mountain ranges, and it's really just a short drive or a walk away to get onto trails, to get up into the pines or into the desert environment. But there were so many youth that I interacted with through different programs that had never been hiking. And for me, that was just shocking. It was like hearing, oh, I've never, I've never actually breathed before. And so I made it my goal at the time to really help introduce as many kids as I possibly could to the outdoor experience. So that drove both a volunteer opportunity to the Sierra Club at the time, and then also a career path in working with different uh, school programs and after-school programs, basically any program that I could find that was interested in or committed to connecting kids to the outdoors, uh, I just dove into headfirst. So what do you think inspired you to do that, to really connect with the youth and bring them outdoors? I think being outdoors, uh, both for me personally and then what I see when I see people uh, outside, especially on trails, is that we're the happiest version of ourselves. And I think it's because all of our senses are engaged, uh, all the stuff that seems very important in the day-to-day, uh, both when we're kids and then also as adults, all of that really kind of fades away. And we're just left to walking and breathing and admiring and the kind of deep thinking, which 
which I think is difficult to do inside walls and inside a building. And so that passion for helping people find the happiest version of themselves, I think that was really, that was the motivating factor. So tell me when you were getting kids out there and having them connect with the outdoors, what, I guess, was there anything that surprised you about the reaction that you would get? Um, I, I think I would say no, not really, okay. because what I saw in them was what I felt in myself and that when I'm when I'm outside, life seems good. Life seems healthy and happy. And the most basic things like making it from water source to water source uh, is really all that kind of mattered. And I think that was beautiful and wonderful. And I got to see uh, my own experience memories of my own experiences as a young person in the discovery because I think that discovery doesn't happen enough and that sense of finding something new or seeing something for the first time is really pretty powerful and so being able to see that happening in all these different young people uh, really made me feel like I was doing exactly what I was meant to. That's amazing. I was reading about even as we get into talking to you about the Arizona Trail, there's programs um, that you have created at the Arizona Trail Association to get youth out on the trail. So tell me a little bit about that mission of working with the Arizona Trail. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, once I took the position as executive director in 2012, uh, what I realized pretty early on is that uh, there weren't any young people involved with the association, even though the organization had been around since 1994, and there were literally tens of thousands of volunteers that were involved with the organization, there wasn't much of a youth component. And uh, the thing I think that concerned me the most is that as our volunteers uh, and land management agency partners and all the people that had really helped build this trail over the last almost 30 years, as they're aging uh, or retiring or moving on to something else, there wasn't this wave of inspired, excited young people to take their place. And I thought that unless I address this immediately, then all this hard work over the past 30 years could really kind of fade you know, in, into oblivion. And I think that would be a great disservice to all the people that have spent you know, literally millions of hours contributing to this trail. So I started this program called the Seeds of Stewardship. And basically what we do is we work with uh, public schools throughout the entire state of Arizona that have some kind of close proximity to the Arizona Trail. Uh, and we try to get kids outdoors. So we work with the schools, convince them that this is going to be a healthy and wonderful and educational thing. And then we try to work with each group of students up to five times per year. So it's not just a field trip where they go and they experience the trail or a national forest or a state park, but they get this repeat exposure. So there is that um, that first the, the sense of just discovery and exploration and then getting a little bit more familiar uh, with the trail itself. Uh, and then what we do is work with teachers to take their existing curriculum and just apply that to things out on the trail. So instead of coming in with like canned environmental education curriculum, we work with each individual teacher, some of which are teaching mathematics, some are teaching art, some are teaching science, history, social studies. So we basically say, how can we take the lessons you would normally be doing in the classroom and let's just do it out on the trail? And of course, it's amazingly successful uh, because it's much easier to teach in that environment than it is in the classroom. And then the last component is the last two trips that we try to do are very stewardship focused. So we do trail maintenance and we remove invasive species, anything to really get the youth's hands dirty so they feel that sense of ownership and real stewardship so that as they grow up, they know about the Arizona Trail, they've been on it, they have experience with it, and they can say, oh, I helped build it or I helped maintain it. Uh, and so I think that 
that kind of one step beyond just a field trip or an environmental education experience is what's really kind of powered the program. And I feel so fortunate because just last year in 2018, we worked with over 2,200 kids. Uh, and that's you know up to five times or more per year getting them out on the trail. So I really like to think that every year that goes by, we're positively impacting the lives of thousands of people that'll then you know eventually take over like my job and then all of our volunteer trail stewards positions as well. That's great. Have you also seen with the kids that have come through, as they're going through the, the system and going into it, you know, it also builds confidence because I would say, I think being outdoors and learning the skills it takes and being able to handle yourself outdoors instills that confidence in your own abilities. So had you seen that as you've witnessed the children kind of coming through that year course? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that being the, the the best stories are coming from the parents, honestly, mm-hmm. that when we engage parents at the end of the year and say, hey, please share a story with us or come and tell us that a lot of times they tell the stories in tears <laughs> because oh. they're, they've watched their child literally transform through this very basic free program uh, that's really in their own backyard. And it's not, there's nothing that we're doing that's magic, quite honestly. It's just allowing youth uh, to be themselves and experience the outdoors in a meaningful way. Uh, but I think that repeat exposure is something that really makes a big difference. Uh, it's all privately funded or funded through grants or individuals so that there's no barriers to participation. And so many of the youth that we work with could not participate if there was even a modest you know, uh, donation or you know, a fee-for-service type of a program. But being able to provide both the outdoor leadership, transportation, food, uh, outdoor materials, supplies, all of it, we just say, all you got to do is show up and we're going to give you an amazing experience. And for us, it's a wise investment because I feel like these are the future trail stewards, trail users, voters for wild spaces. Um, And so the money that we put into the program every year, I think, is going to pay massive dividends, even if it takes 10, 20, 30, or 40 years. Now, I hadn't heard of you know, when I looked at the Arizona Trail Association site and really saw how developed this program was, I had not seen something comparable in, you know, other trails I've researched, you know, and the organizations that support them. So is this something that you're also trying to do with sister associations and trying to get this program established elsewhere? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that I try not to ever keep anything secret ever, especially when it comes to successful programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the Arizona Trail is one of only you know 11 national scenic trails in America. And every one of those trails has a partner organization like ours. So Appalachian Trail Conservancy, for instance, on, on the Appalachian Trail. Um, I know that the, the ATC, Appalachian Trail Conservancy, has a really successful uh, program uh, where they engage youth in different parts of the state. Uh, so we've shared lots of ideas and resources as well. And then same story with the Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin. Um, their outdoor program is, I think, one of the best in the nation. Uh, and I think also Pacific Crest Trail Association has been working with a, a charter environmental high school in California to really get young people there more involved with the Pacific Crest Trail. So I'd say it's, you know, we're relatively unique, um, but I think it is happening in different parts of the country at different uh, levels and scales. Uh, and, and it makes me really happy to see other trail organizations that are putting an emphasis on, on getting young people involved. And like you said, these are the, you know, the youth, the population that's going to grow up and support the trail system and hopefully be out there um, promoting, you know, stewardship of public lands and voting and all of the things to do to protect our land um, and keep it sustainable for the future generations. Amen. And I think in order for them to care about it, 
they have to really get stoked on it. And in order to do that, they have to have these really positive experiences. Uh, I think that had we just leapt to the stewardship piece, uh, then it wouldn't be as successful because what I really want is for them to feel connected and to feel a sense of ownership. But in order to get there, they also have to feel comfortable in their own skin, you know, outdoors or on the trail or, you know, working with trail tools. And so this, the way that the program is kind of um, structured really gives them a chance to kind of build up to that, that stewardship piece. But so, I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely interested in learning more about you know, as your program continues on, uh, different things that, that it's doing. Because also there's several other things and we'll touch on that I see the Arizona Trail Association is also doing to encourage volunteers and exposure to uh, to the land and the trail and, and taking care of it. So for the listeners, let's just kind of do a basic overview of what the Arizona Trail is. Because it's 800 miles across Arizona from Mexico to Utah, starting uh, near the border. What's that like? What's what's the landscape there of starting at the Mexican border? Yeah, it's probably nothing like a lot of people would expect. I think that the, the biodiversity within the state of Arizona is what makes this trail so great. And hands down, it's what people, when they do the entire length of the trail and they fill out a survey, everybody is just shocked and amazed and inspired by the biodiversity, how you can go from cactus-filled forest to ponderosa pine forest to grasslands, and sometimes in just a day or two. Uh, and I think the Mexican border is a great example of that, uh, because I think a lot of times people that are, may not live in the Southwest, when they think of the border, they might have a certain you know climate or a landscape in mind. But where the trail uh, starts on the Arizona-Mexico border uh, is, is almost at 5,000 feet. Uh, that's right where the border is. And so like big rolling grasslands at the foothills of a massive mountain range. And one of the things I think makes this trail so challenging to do as a through hike is that you start off with a humongous mountain climb to start the trail. So you're there at the border, beautiful grasslands, and you start walking north. And in that very first day, you climb up to over 9,000 feet in elevation. You walk through aspen trees uh, and, and, and pine forest, and this is all within you know just a few miles of the border. And then you're in this rugged, beautiful, remote mountain range until you end up at a small lake, which is about 25 miles away. So for people that are doing the entire 800-mile trip to start off when you're usually the least, you know, uh, accustomed to all your gear and your footing and everything else and you have a heavy pack and you know all these other factors to start off by really kind of climbing a big mountain is is, is pretty tough but i think that's how, that's how the arizona trail does it is it you know kicks you kicks you in the shins early on to get you ready for, for what lies ahead so is that the most common way that people are through hiking it from uh the border of mexico and arizona to the the utah arizona border it is in the springtime. So one of the okay. things about being uh, only 800 miles long is that we really do have two seasons, two through hiking seasons. Uh, in the springtime, people are going northbound, start in Mexico, finish in Utah. And then in the fall, it's the opposite of that. So we see two different waves of through hikers. Uh, there are some people that try it in the winter or try it in the middle of summer. Both of those make it extremely challenging. I mean, the trail is hard enough as it is, uh, but, but we get to see two different waves of people. Uh, and traditionally, we saw a lot more in the springtime going northbound, but with a changing climate, the fact that we're having a lot more uh, rain in the summertime and milder temperatures in the fall, uh, that, that that southbound trip starting up north in like September uh, has become, I think, a lot more favorable classic example is that a lot of people start in March this year 
the entire state is still covered in snow in March, except for the very low elevations. So people that came to Arizona expecting, you know, kind of a, a mild or a pleasant hiking experience uh, were in deep snow in all of the mountain ranges in the southern part of the state, and then uh, almost 100 miles of snow once you leave uh, the Grand Canyon region and make your way up toward toward Utah. So like with any grand adventure, you know, you have to work with Mother Nature on its own terms. Uh, but this year, I think, has been particularly challenging for folks. So you t- also talked about that, you know, the when you start out that there's, you know, this big uphill climb, basically. And over the whole trail, I was uh, reading that there's over 110,000 feet of cumulative gain. So a lot of different canyons and mountains. How do you think that, or how does that stack up for um, someone, you know, attempting a through hike? What are some, I guess, what advice would you give someone who's considering, you know, trying to, to do the entire trail? Yeah, I think that the people that have been most successful, if this is their first uh, long-distance thru-hike, and and what we found is that a lot of people that are thru-hiking the Arizona Trail have experience on a lot of uh, the other American long-distance trails, Pacific Crest Trail, Continental Divide Trail, Appalachian Trail, and some of the others. Um, But for people that this is their very first uh, long-distance hike, I feel like the the absolute best thing that they can do is um, hike sections of this in advance figure out, you know, basically, you know, the season and maybe some areas that you're not sure about or might be pretty challenging, go and hike for a day or two on these segments just so it's not a complete and total surprise and then you have a sense of what you're getting yourself into. Um, we really only have data from people that have finished the trail. So I don't know what the what the attrition rate is or what the percentage of people is that, um, that uh, attempt to start and then don't actually finish. Uh, but there are a few hundred people every year, about 400 this year it looks like, that will finish the Arizona Trail uh, in their northbound adventure and then you know probably around that same number uh, in, in, in the fall. But I, I think a lot of people drop out because they don't, know or they underestimated how difficult it would be and especially with that huge mountain range uh, and then and then a rolling rocky mountain range after that within the first couple of days uh, a lot of even really seasoned hikers after that first 50 miles really start to reconsider if this is something that they want to do for the next you know two months uh, but the average person takes about 50 days uh, to hike all 800 miles it's been done a lot faster in fact at uh, fastest known time was just set uh, a few days ago by somebody who did all 800 miles in 15 days, 13 hours, and 10 minutes. Wow. Not recommended. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a lot of walking. A lot, a lot of walking, of, yes. Yeah. Over, over 50 walking. miles a day. Running. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. So I know that the Arizona Trail Association has a lot of resources out there. When I was looking through your website, I just saw the trail itself, you have it broken into passages, right? Yep. And so there's these different passages and uh, there's 43, yeah, 43 passages. And so by each section, you have maps, uh, GPS data, um, information on uh, water supply, um, different things like that. So tell me how you've been able to accumulate all of this information. Yeah, I think part of it is born out of necessity. So people the really early on as the trail was still being built because you know the the idea of this trail is relatively new. It was in the 1980s that this was uh, kind of conceived, and then the very first uh, pieces of trail were designated, so existing trail that were kind of adopted into the Arizona trail system, and then trail construction started happening after that. Uh, really early on, 
hikers especially, but then also mountain bikers, horseback riders, trail runners, backpackers, other people started asking, where can I get this information? Where can I get this information? And so the association, although was really engaged in trail construction uh, and volunteerism, because most of the trail was built with volunteer labor, uh, was also became a community resource. And so even now that it's a national scenic trail and it goes through national parks and it's really kind of officially administered by the U.S. Forest Service, that our organization still remains kind of the go-to source for information online, telephone, you know, maps, resources, that kind of stuff. And so what we've tried to do is to create uh, a resource for anybody to create their own adventure. And that's really the whole point behind the website is that if you want to go out and experience the Arizona Trail for one mile, we try to give you the data to how do you get to that nearest trailhead? What can you expect? Is there going to be water along the way? What's the best season to visit this area? So you go out and you have a pleasant one mile experience. You turn around, you go home and you move on to something else. Uh, or maybe you want to hike all 800 miles and maybe you want to do that over a 10 year period or maybe you want to do that all at once. All the resources are there to really kind of help you plan. Um, and because we're not really in the business of, say, like um, trip planning or like consultation, yeah, like we'll answer your phone calls and emails and that kind of stuff. But what we've done is created kind of an online community of really experienced hikers, mountain bikers, and runners so that if somebody has a general question that maybe they didn't see on the website or they just want to talk to somebody about, they put it out to this Arizona Trail forum. And the, the great news is there are people a lot more experienced than I or any of our staff or volunteers really that are going to best uh, answer those questions. And sometimes they're people that were just on the trail yesterday or just finished their through hike last month. And that that is a community resource I think is just really beneficial for everybody, especially those that are providing the information because they feel like they're helping somebody else out to have like this amazing, maybe even transformative experience similar to what they just had on the trail. Well, I know that you know, like you said, some people are going to do a through hike or they're going to section hike it because they want to do all 800 miles, but others, you know, just want to experience part of the trail. And I saw that there was also a day hiker's guide that yeah. was created. And I thought this was pretty amazing that, you know, someone did the research and was able to pull this all together and say, you know, you can do this in 89 different day hikes, and they range from 3.8 miles to 13.8 miles, you know, with an average distance of around uh, nine miles per hike. So, I mean, that is, for me, that seems achievable. You know, when you think about, exactly. yes, so for me, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to do a through hike, um, maybe someday. I'm not going to rule it out. Yeah. But I would love to, you know, look at that book and see the 89 different different ways to just just immerse myself, you know, in the land and it feels achievable. And so, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, people actually doing things like that, like, you know, getting out on the trail and what are some of the sections you would recommend for someone who's, you know, new to Arizona? Mm, great question. Yeah, the, the Day Hiker's Guide was really developed in response to the misconception that this is an 800-mile trail and you have to do all 800. Uh, and so uh, the, when a lot of people heard about the trail, they'd see a map and they'd go, wow, I could never do that. And I'd say, oh, no, 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 you can, you can do any little piece of it. But that wasn't immediately apparent. So even when I wrote the, the guidebook uh, years ago, it's, it, it is really kind of oriented towards somebody that might be doing a long-distance adventure, which is great. But how many of us right now have two months to take off and go for a walk? 
Yeah, not a lot of hands being raised. And so, but I, I have an hour, I have a weekend, maybe I'm going to have a three day weekend at some point. And so over time, I can accomplish this massive long distance, you know, hiking adventure, but also doing it while maintaining a job and family and, you know, other interests. And so the Day Hiker's Guide is really just a way to encourage people that, yeah, if you just want to do day, day hikes in order to finish this whole thing, we're going to help you get there. Uh, and I think that the, the number of people that have that amount of time is probably 95% of our trail users just out for the day, as opposed to people that, that do make that two-month commitment uh, to go for a long walk. Um, so I'm glad that that resource is available uh, on the website and all in print form. But for somebody that was just looking to experience the Arizona Trail, I think a lot, so much of it is uh, seasonally dependent because you could cross-country ski a beautiful portion of it up north. Uh, you could walk a section of it, say, like through Saguaro National Park. Some of the sections of trail are just really, really nice on a mountain bike or on horseback. And so I think uh, getting to know uh, the climate and the terrain of Arizona a little bit and then choosing, uh, you know, what do I want to do in the summertime? Well, okay, that's going to be kind of, you know, the northern region of the state, probably up near Flagstaff or the Grand Canyon or, you know, in the middle of, you know, middle of winter, hmm, then I'd recommend stuff, you know, kind of outside Tucson or, or Vail area. But there's a, there's a couple of gems that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, well, one, of course, is the Grand Canyon, you know, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. The Arizona Trail goes right through the heart of it on the South Kaibab and North Kaibab trails, that's unlike any place I've ever been. And I've explored most continents, and there's nothing in the world like the Grand Canyon. So if you've never been there, absolutely must do that. Um, but beyond that, um, there's there's another piece of trail kind of right in the middle of the state uh, near the Gila River, G-I-L-A is how it's spelled. And the Gila River uh, in, in some parts are like, it's like a national recreation area, but where the Arizona Trail follows it is this really remote, beautiful part of the state, really not that far from, from the middle of the state, say like the Phoenix area. Um, and if there weren't a trail here, nobody would ever go because it's so remote. There's no other trails, hardly any road access. Uh, and when we were doing archaeological surveys out there before the trail was built, it was obvious that people have been living in this zone for thousands and thousands of years, but there was no apparent sign of, uh, of recent human um, you know, habitation. So being out there in this remote area, walking next to a flowing river, uh, is something that was really pretty special. Uh, so I love the Gila River canyons. And then also um, down, down south, I think the Huachuca Mountains, which are right near the U.S.-Mexico border, are really pretty special and seldom visited, uh, but are full of lots of caves and karst formation, lots of wildlife. Uh, in fact, the Huachuca Mountains are where uh, an ocelot and a jaguar have both been documented. So two of the rarest cats in North America have been seen and documented uh, on the Arizona Trail in the Huachuca Mountains. Oh, wow. So I have never been to the Grand Canyon. It is definitely on my list. So that's one that I would love to be able to also hike the Arizona Trail well going there. So I'm going to keep that one in mind for sure. But definitely lots of potential, you know, places. And like you said, you know, depending if you're on a bike, if you're uh, deciding to hike it or, you know, any other activity, um, horseback riding, that there may be different areas that are more uh, suited for that. So I like your idea of just kind of understanding where you're going to go, what time of year it is and what the conditions will be like. Yeah. So some other things I was reading about what um, the Arizona Trail Association does is there's you know several different activities um, that you're doing to promote the trail, trail awareness, um, trail maintenance. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the uh, first. Let's talk about uh, AZT in a day. What's that about? Yeah. So this is something that uh, so we had an intern uh, who now works for us part time uh, last year. 
Uh, she's actually one of the people that compiled uh, the Day Hiker's Guide and has is an experienced through hiker on the Arizona Trail and has worked for a variety of land management agencies. Um, but when I said, yeah, I want to do something really special to promote the Arizona Trail and to get a whole bunch of people involved, she came up with this idea of let's collectively hike the entire trail in a single day. Because, of course, this is something none of us could ever do alone. Uh, but working together, if you do a mile and I do a couple miles and somebody else does, and we get enough people involved, we could cover the entire trail in a single day. And so we launched this initiative last year. And we had over 800 people sign up for free online to participate and uh, commit to hiking or biking a specific section of trail. And all but two short sections were covered in a single day, which oh, we wow. thought was pretty phenomenal. And we would have had 100%, but there was a huge rainstorm of few days before, and one of the major highways to get up to northern Arizona was uh, completely washed out and then closed, so people weren't physically able to get to the sections that they had committed to hiking, and so we didn't quite get 100%, so we're going to try it again, uh, and this year it's happening uh, in October, and the idea is to engage as many people as possible from near and far to get out on the Arizona Trail, and it's on uh, Saturday, October 12th. And people can start uh, signing up for different segments, uh, I think, next month. But we have an interactive map that shows where all those segments are, how to get to them, what to be prepared for. And some of them are in deep wilderness. And so in order to hike that section, you'll have to backpack in for a day or two to be able to do your section. Those are uh, you know, a little bit uh, more challenging, uh, but some are trailheads that are uh, close to communities that are a little bit more accessible. But it should be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm confident we'll be able to do it. Oh, that's great. And um, I think. Hopefully you'll get the 100% this year. Yeah, hope hope so. It's this has never been done on a national scenic trail. Uh, I think there is a, um, a, a shorter trail in another state, and honestly, I can't remember where they did this initiative, but they were able to collectively hike, uh, you know, the entire trail as a group in a day. But I think it was less than 100 miles, uh, and, and relatively accessible with trailheads and things like that. So the fact that we're trying to do it um, through some of the wildest country in the West is it's challenging, but it should be fun. Speaking of wild and uh, having, you know, the wild trail and uh, the wilderness, you also um, have a Trail Skills Institute. So I was looking at that and thought, that's pretty cool, too, that you're offering modules and classes that really help people to learn about how to be outdoors. So what kinds of things are are you um, teaching others in the Institute? Yeah, we, we have a pretty robust like trail stewardship program. And so individuals, families, groups, whomever can take responsibility for caring for a short segment of trail. We shoot for like, you know, four miles or less because I think you could hike that, report on it, and then maintain it on a regular basis. But some people have segments that are much longer. Um, but that stewardship program is really what keeps the trail maintained. Uh, if there are major erosion events or a wildfire or lots of downed trees after a snowstorm, then um, sometimes we can work with a local conservation corps to get in there and do some of the heavy lifting or some of the harder work. But the vast majority of the Arizona Trail is cared for by volunteers, individuals who just love to get out there and, and help to take care of the trail. Um, and one of our goals is to have like the best trained volunteer corps in America so that when the National Forest Service or the Park Service hears that Arizona Trail Association volunteers are going to be out there working on the trail, that they know that the people that are going out there are experienced and safe and trained to the highest standards. And so instead of just resources that we make available on our website, we thought we need hands-on classes, not just a handbook or you know suggestions or even a video. We thought the best way to do this is let's get people out there and let's teach them the art and the science of trail construction and maintenance because uh, a 
a lot of us have used trails, but we don't really know what goes into the science uh, of where they are and why they are there and then what it takes to, to maintain them and then what corrections and additions can we make over time to make sure that they're sustainable into the future. So working with uh, one of the best uh, trail instructors in the Southwest, we developed this Trail Skills Institute, and it's basically four modules, uh, one, two, three, and four, and they're done over a variety of weekends throughout the year, and we put these classes in different parts of the state to make it more accessible to different volunteers, and it's open to anybody, really, not just Arizona Trail Association folks, but um, the goal is that whether you just take one module to learn a little bit more about the art and science of trail construction and maintenance, or whether you want to really develop skills like dry stone masonry and trail design and out and things like that, um, people that are going through this course are getting all the skills they need to both care for the Arizona Trail or any other trails they end up volunteering for in the future. Um, and what we're seeing you know, nationally is that the capacity of our federal agency partners is going down. The Forest Service gets less funding every year, they have fewer staff every year, there's no more trail crews. So our, our trails, this massive network of trails that means so much to all of us for recreation and spirituality and everything that we, we get when we're out on trails, those stand to fall into disrepair unless we're prepared to care for them, but we have to do it the right way. And so this Trail Skills Institute is, is really the first step in trying to both empower and educate people to give them the skills they need to care for these trails, you know, in, into the future. Yeah, uh, I totally understand and get what you're saying with, you know, the lack of funding or, or as funding decreases, because also the there's been an increase in people using trails. I mean, definitely more through hikers, more exposure. You're getting people who are out there. And if you don't have volunteers, you don't have people to help maintain it or keep it, you know, at the level that it needs to be, that it's kind of this losing battle of less money to get out there, more people, you know, needing the volunteers. And I think that's where the, I think the, the relevance of volunteer-based organizations like ours uh, increases. So, you know, my goal is to keep as many volunteers excited about caring for the trail uh, as we possibly can, um, so that even if uh, our agency partners uh, aren't able to be involved or aren't able to fund uh, trail cores, that that's okay. That we have thousands of people that are not just, you know, able and willing, but um, trained to the highest standards you know, imaginable. What I liked about what your organization is doing is that you're giving different options. You're really trying to find ways that people can get involved or, you know, help out, volunteer. Um, one of the things was your remote maintenance. So someone who was doing a long distance hike, you're going to give them, um, what was it, some pruning shears or a handsaw with work gloves so they could actually do trail maintenance along the way. That's pretty innovative. They're going to be out there anyway. <laughs> Yeah, again, I think this this is a result of um, through hikers or long distance uh, trail users that would sometimes get in touch and say, hey, I'm going to be out there for two months. Is there anything I can do? And I love requests like that. Um, but so often when we do these volunteer work events, there's, you know, you got to sign this and you got to go mm -hmm. through, you know, tail safety thing, you got to do this and this and this and this and this and this. Uh, and so those are all necessary and very important. But then we're missing out on these thousands of people every year that are out there walking along that if everybody just snipped one little cat claw acacia and tossed it off the trail, you know, our, our maintenance needs would go down like significantly. 
And so we, I came up with this, you know, remote trail maintenance, you know, task force that's essentially anybody who's going to be out there. You know, we send you a, a one-page piece of paper that basically says, here are some basic techniques for, for pruning, uh, you know, within the Arizona Trail Corridor. Here's some things to keep in mind. Here's your tool of choice. Here's a pair of work gloves. Be safe. Have fun. Don't cut off any fingers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a waiver in there, too. I think the other side of the uh, piece of paper is probably a waiver. But uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Um, yeah, and no, I just think it's it's great that you're doing all different events of trying to get people organized and out there. Volunteer vacations, another opportunity for people who want to take that week, you know, do maybe something different for their spring break, do service, uh, things like that. You're allowing that opportunity as well. So there's obviously a lot of different ways that you can get involved, that you can participate, that you can enjoy the resources out there. You can go out to aztrail.org and go through. You can donate, you can volunteer, and you can dive into the website that has different things about the trail, about the history, the people who have finished the trail. So really so, so much that you can you can learn about. Yeah, I think that the the first step I would encourage anybody to do is, you know, get out there and experience it. Depending on, you know, which season or how much time you have, if if you live, you know, within the southwest or if you're traveling internationally, come and experience this trail. I think that's the, the meat of really of what we do. And then beyond that, for people that want to be more involved, uh, trails like this only exist because of volunteers and donors. And so without the financial and, and the physical labor support of people, this trail would have never been built in the short amount of time that it was. And it certainly wouldn't be in the good condition that it's in now. And anybody who's ever done trail maintenance, uh, you know that the, it's, it's more rewarding than hiking or mountain biking or running or anything, that when you're out there physically working on the trail and crafting it, knowing that so many people at some point are going to walk by and really enjoy you know, the fruits of your labor, that's rewarding beyond words. Uh, and if you've never done trail maintenance before, be warned <laughs> that once you do, it's really hard to just go for a hike without analyzing things and being like, oh, I could fix that drainage. You know, wouldn't it be nice if this were a little bit better benched? It's, yeah, it's a little bit of a curse. Um, but the more people that we train to kind of see the trail uh, for what it is and how it can be better, uh, I think the, the more people that will get involved, not just in long distance trails like these, but future trail projects, you know, within their community or uh, in a, a nearby, you know, say city park or state park. Um, but I think so many people assume that trails just happen or that they are just there, but they don't. They take an enormous amount of time and effort to design and then build and then to maintain over time. And the more of us that are out there that are that are working for this greater good by putting our energy into trails, I think the happier, healthier population we have. I absolutely agree. What are some other ways uh, to get connected with the Arizona Trail Association? Uh, yeah, I think that um, that social media is a really great way to see you know kind of what's happening, and also really pretty pictures because again the biodiversity in the state is phenomenal from Grand Canyon and Saguaro National Park and Ponderosa Pine Forest and grasslands and uh, it's just it's a really amazing state and uh, the Arizona Trail is kind of its wild backbone you know from from south to north, um, but being able to see some photos and hopefully get inspired to come out and visit. Is, uh, is a really great way to, to see what's happening. Um, but beyond that, um, yeah, 
Arizonatrailsocc.com. Go for a walk, and then if you want to get more involved, just get in touch with the Arizona Trail Association. We have great volunteer opportunities for anybody, including people that uh, that you know may not be physically able uh, to do actual physical trail construction. Um, but it, it's a very diverse organization, and we try to embrace everybody uh, and help them feel part of this amazing community. Well, I hope to someday, maybe not this year, maybe it'll be next year, but I hope to get out there to Arizona. I hope to experience the trail firsthand and meet some others who are on the trail and join it. Um, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for sharing more background about the trail and about the Arizona Trail Association and all of the things that you're doing to sustain the trail and bring awareness so that we can enjoy it. My pleasure. I can't think of a, a, of a greater uh, cause to be involved with. I mean, there's so many great organizations and that are doing great things in the world. Uh, but like I mentioned before, when I see people out there on the trail, they're the happiest version of themselves. And I feel like that that's a great use of our time and energy is to help people find, find that place and also give them a safe pathway where they can go out and, and have these incredible experiences. So I appreciate your support. I uh, love your podcast. And uh, yeah, hopefully everybody who's listening is going to, if there's a bucket list that they have, they're now writing Arizona Trail. I am writing it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for spending some time with me today. Please check out the show notes for links to Arizona Trail Resources and for an opportunity to connect with me. If you like what you're hearing, please consider supporting the show through leaving a review or just taking a moment to share it with your friends and followers. I couldn't do all of this without your support. Until next time, see you on the trail. Thank you.